We've been kind of covering um, the way that we see God, and many times because of uh, background, because of denomination, just like that filter you put on your Insta selfie to make yourself look better, we have filters that we, that we bring in that we see God through, and it could be tragedy, it could be denomination or religion or, 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 or a mentor or your grandma that, that, that the way that they believed has now made its way and filtered its way into the way that you see God. And so this whole series, we've been trying to remove all the filters because unlike, you know, you, God does not need improvement. You need to put that filter on your selfie, all right? Um, God does not need improving upon. We want to see him clearly for who he really is because when we see truth accurately, we're able to make accurate decisions. And so we started out in the, in the first few weeks talking about who is God. And we talked about that God is great, God is close. We looked at the grace of God. We said we have to see who God really is from Scripture. And then we moved into, uh, now that we know who God is, who are we in Christ? And we looked at our identity as children of God. And uh, what a blessing it is to be brought into the family of God. And, and this week we are going to be in part three uh, and this is uh, now that we know who we are in Christ, what has he given us? We need to look at some of the things that God has given us. So today, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. And I want to tell you that I'm going to be doing a whole series in the fall on the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to dive in deeper um, into some of the gifts, and we're going to be able to talk about them individually. Today's going to be a little bit more of an overview, so uh, if you're like, man, he didn't touch on this or this, just hang on, because uh, this fall, we are going to go there. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about that. Um, and so we today, uh, we just need a clear understanding of what the Bible says about what God has given us as children of God. You with me? We just need to know. We need to understand what you and I have been given by the Holy Spirit. So 1 Corinthians 12, 1, uh, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And that's a nice word for ignorant. I do not want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. We're not going to be ignorant today. We're going to see what God says about it. Would you pray with me? Father, right now, in Jesus' name, grip every heart. Lord, let uh, just, just the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, Father. Let, let your word go forth and find good soil. It will not return void in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Let me just give you a little bit of background on the church at Corinth and, and this letter to them. Uh, he says, now concerning. Now, the reason why he started chapter 12 with that is because this is actually, even though it, we title this book 1 Corinthians, this is not the first book that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. We see in chapter 5 that he had written them a previous letter, and then in chapter 7 we see that they actually wrote a response to his letter. And so actually 1 Corinthians Corinthians is in response to their response. And so he says he's dealing with some of their questions. And one of their questions was just about spiritual gifts and the function and the role of, of the gifts of the Spirit, and particularly in the body of Christ, in church. And so 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 deal with that. And so he says, now concerning spiritual 
gifts. This word spiritual in the Greek is pneumatikos. And if you hear the word in there, pneuma, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's pneumatic. It's, it's the word for breath or wind. And so what this is actually saying is now concerning the gifts that we have received in our spirit that have been breathed into us by the breath of God. These spiritual, these breath, these spiritual gifts that they are. See, I told you last week, we are made up of spirit, soul, and body. These are gifts that go directly into our spirit, which is who we really are, and it is eternal. And so Paul's saying, hey, we need to understand, we cannot be ignorant about the gifts that have been breathed inside of us. And so that's where we're at right now. I want to just give you a little bit of history of the gifts of the Spirit. Um, as you know, it can be a very uh, a dividing topic in the church today. Uh, we are what would be considered a continuous church. And all that means is, is that we believe that the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit are evident and for us today. And, and should be, here's a big one, and should be normative. On the other end of the spectrum is what would be called cessationist. And there are large churches, not very far from here, that would label themselves as cessationist. Uh, that means that they believe that the, the operation, the gifts, miracles of the Spirit have ceased. Now, they, I don't want just, to just you know, give them a terrible name to say that they don't believe that miracles can ever happen. Most of them would say that if God wants to do a miracle, I mean, there's just times where you can't deny that, th that this miracle happened. They would just say God is able to work a miracle whenever he wants to, but for us... As children of God, it is not normative that we can operate and see those things happen. It's just not normal. So if occasionally God wants to swoop down and do something crazy, he has the freedom to do that. But we cannot operate in that on a daily basis. At Generation Church, we do not believe that. We believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for us and uh, should be um, empowering us to continue what Jesus started, which is advancing the kingdom of God on the earth. I believe that, that, that when Jesus left, he said, it's better that I go away because when I go away, I'm going to send you the helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who's actually going to empower you to continue the work that I'm starting. And the reason we believe that the gifts have not gone away is because there's still work to do. The kingdom of God is still advancing and, 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 and the end has not yet come. And so I think that wh wh what, what sense does it make for God to say, well, I'm going to remove the very power source that you're going to need to be who I've called you to be. Good luck. I'll swoop in every now and then and I'll do something cool. <laughs> and so we just, we think there's more. There's more for us. And that's what we want to talk about. Uh, today. So we are continuous. I want to just give you a little bit uh, of just kind of info on my journey into the gifts of the Spirit. A lot of you know my story. Some of you do not. Uh, I'm a Baptist boy. I grew up Baptist, Southern Baptist to the core. I was in church whenever the doors were open. And, uh, you know, I, I got saved around 20 years old and uh, moved to New Orleans, Louisiana. And um, I just thought, I'll just be honest with you, um, I, I had not 
you know, I had just gotten saved in boot camp in the Coast Guard and, and trying to figure this thing out. And so in my head, because I grew up Baptist, I just thought if you weren't Baptist, you weren't saved. And so naturally, I'm going to look for a Baptist church. I'm talking about I'm fired up for Jesus. I, there was a time where after I got back from boot camp, I got my little, my little car. I had all my CDs, my Tupac and my Biggie and, and my just stacks. Y'all don't know about that, do you? Just, just stacks of CDs. I had my stash under my seat. Y'all don't know about that either. I had my stash under my seat. And there was a moment when I'm driving down, going 50 miles an hour down the street, I pull this massive thing of CDs and I threw it out the window. And I don't, I don't recommend that. Okay. I want you to get arrested, but this is what I did. I grabbed my stash. I threw it out the window and I screamed as loud as I, as I could. And, and just the freedom of the Holy Spirit that I knew my life would never be the same. And so from there, I moved, uh, I was in New Orleans, and so I went to a Baptist church because I just thought you had to go to Baptist church. But I noticed, and, and hear me, there are some amazing Baptist churches, all right? There, this is not about the title of, of your, what's on, on your church, right? There's some, there's some amazing ones, there's some dry ones. There's some amazing Pentecostal churches, there's some just weird, you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> this particular church that I went to, as somebody who was 20 and fired up for Jesus, uh, I was in their college group, and I just felt like as I would sit there that I was in the waiting room at the dentist. And I was like, man, I, Lord, you're, there is something in me that is stirring that I cannot control. And I don't feel like I share that same passion with anyone. I really felt kind of alone. And so I just began to pray and seek the Lord. And the Lord brought a guy to me that I became very close with. And he invited me to his weird church. And before, I remember I had a little studio apartment. He came over one day. He's like, I want you to come to church with me Sunday. And he said, but, but sit down. I got to talk to you. <laughs> and he began to warn me about his church. Now, if you have to warn somebody before you invite him to church. No, but, but he was just, he knew, he knew that I was just a, a Baptist boy, but I was fired up for Jesus. And he said, now listen, they're, 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 they operate a little different. And I'm like, oh, cool, I'm good, I'm good. He's like, you know, he, he began to say stuff like, you know, they, 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 they believe in speaking in tongues. And I was like, say what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like you, you, you know, I said, no, I don't know, show me. He's like, well, you know, I'm not going to go there. That's not the way it works, but I'm just telling you that they believe in that there. I was like, well, come on, man, give me something. I don't have a clue what you're talking about. And, and, and so the point is that I, I went to this church, and yeah, I thought everyone in that place was weird. I'm just being honest with you. My, my Baptist upbringing, people raising their hands, literally for the first time, I've never seen that before. And I thought, what in the world is he doing? I would see a lady just kind of swaying during worship like this. And I thought, do we need to get a medic over there? What is wrong with this lady? I'm just being serious. The first two or three weeks, all I did during the church service was just watch people. I'm just like, what is he doing? What, why did he just grab the microphone? What is happening right now? Man, I, mean, I just didn't, I, I never experienced that. But here's what I, I, there was something in me that was in agreement with the atmosphere of the room. I saw some things that were outside of my context, you know, as a, as a Baptist boy, but I thought, wait a minute, these people are passionate for God. And I feel the Holy Spirit in the room. And so I really, and, and as a matter of fact, uh, that's, the, that's the church I met my wife at. Uh, this is something interesting that you should know about me and my wife, that I was raised very Southern Baptist. She was raised very Pentecostal. Imagine that blend. 
But I'll tell you what, it's been one of the biggest blessings in our ministry. Um, because I have felt like, as I, as I began to see the working and the operation of the Spirit in this church, and these, the, I, I, I was a part of their college ministry, very different from the church I left. Man, these kids were so hungry for the Lord. We had Sunday night service there as well as Sunday morning, every week. Y'all don't know about that. Y'all remember Sunday school before church on Sunday morning? Sunday night service. We had Sunday night service. Then we would lead the college group. We would spend two, it was a two-hour service. And then I'm like, hey, let's go bowling or something fun. They're like, no, we're going to Loyola University to my apartment, and we're going to worship for three more hours. I'm like, what is happening right now? We just were in church all morning. Then we just had a two-hour service. And y'all want to go do church again? Man, but we would go there and we would see the power of the Spirit show up. And I began to, to realize there was more that I had not even known about in the Spirit. There was more. This, this uh, balancing between theology and Spirit, I've, I've always felt like I just never fit. I always felt like I just never fit because... You know, there's this part of me, this Baptist part of me. Listen, I want you to know this. I love the Word of God. I read the Word of God every day. I study the Word of God. And yet, at the same time, I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the operation of the Spirit. And I want to see people healed. I want to see prophetic words come forth. I want to see people experience the presence of the Lord. And so because of that, I, I, I feel like, you know, like a, like a kid of a divorced family, and like, you know what I'm talking about, like if, if your mom and dad got divorced and, and you're going over to stay with mom, right? And mom just wants to bash dad. And you're going over there and you're like, but you love your mom. And you're like, yeah, but I don't really think you understand, mom. Like, I know dad can be a little weird sometimes. And I know he's a little expressive, but he loves Jesus. And then I'd go to dad's house and dad would be like, oh my goodness, you don't want to hang out with mom. She's boring and dry and all she wants to do is talk about the word and, and they don't even know the spirit. I'm like, no, I think you're missing it. I think, I, listen, mom loves Jesus. She, she loves the Lord. And so I have felt this pull between the two tensions of, 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 of Holy Spirit and, and, and freedom of the gifts of the spirit and, and the word of God and, and traditionalism. And so here we are leading a church, a Baptist boy and, and a Pentecostal girl that have come together and said, we don't want either or, we want both. We want both. We want, I've encountered the presence of the Lord in ways that would probably make you not want to come back to this church. And it's just reality. So we're going to look at it today. There are uh, three types of gifts, and again, I'm, I'm going to dive into these in, in more detail in the fall, but as an overview, we need to understand the different types of gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us and has made available to us. And the first one is in uh, Romans chapter 12. You don't have to turn there, but these are called motivational gifts, motivational gifts, and the Holy Spirit has given every single one of us at least one of these. And actually, at this very moment in our growth track room, is we're having week two of growth track. And this week is called My Place. And, and the reason for week two of our growth track is so that we can help you discover the gift that's been put on the inside of you. And so at this moment, there's people that we're helping them uh, walk through and figure out their motivational 
gift. And so that's Romans 12, motivational gifts. Then in 1 Corinthians 12, we have what is called manifestational gifts, sometimes referred to as sign gifts. And these are the ones that make us nervous. We don't get nervous when we talk about hospitality and leadership and, you know, all these things. But you start talking about tongues and interpretation, prophecy, healings. All my traditional friends in the room right now are already squirming. I just know it to be true. We're like, oh, boy, buckle up. It's such a divider, and I don't know why, because it's so biblical. I just think what happens is, is that what we see on TV, we think everything's that way. So we're going to talk about that today. So there are, there are manifestational gifts uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And why they're called manifestational gifts is because they are not our gifts. They are the Holy Spirit's gifts, but he can manifest them through us at any time. We have access to them. We have access to these gifts uh, in 1 Corinthians 12. And then the last, or, or some theologians would say there's four categories of gifts. Some would say three, but I'm going to say three today. So you've got motivational, manifestational, and then the ministerial gifts from 1 Corinthians 12 and also in Ephesians chapter 4. And we see that since we're already in the, in the chapter of 1 Corinthians 12 uh, in verse 28. God has appointed in the church, first apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrators, various kinds of tongues. He goes on there. So these are, these are gifts that have been given to equip the body of Christ. And so that's kind of an overview. So I want to take the next few minutes of our time, and I want, to, uh, I want to see some things that Paul has encouraged us as it relates to the gift of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and the operation of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? Did you buckle up today? Okay, here's the first one. The first encouragement from Paul is this. Do not doubt. Do not doubt your gift. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22. Paul says something very interesting. He says this. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It is possible for you and I to quench, and that word just means to extinguish or to, to put out by resisting, neglecting, or ignoring the moving and the operation of the Spirit around us and within us. And Paul is encouraging them, do not quench the Spirit. But then he goes on and says something very interesting that we're going to talk about. He says, don't quench, quench the Spirit and, and don't despise prophecies. Oh boy, we got to deal with that. Because sometimes prophecies are very easy to despise. Y'all are looking at me crazy, but you, you've, have you never had a crazy prophetic word given you to you before? where you're just like, I don't even know if you're in the, in the same ballpark as the Lord when you were hearing something, because it wasn't the Lord. And so we have a tendency then to then, because we see it operated in a, in a weird way, we think the Holy Spirit is weird, and we think that all prophecy is weird, and so we're going to throw the whole thing out. And we don't want anything to do with the prophetic. We don't want anything to do with that stuff the weird people. The problem with this, this thought is 
that, you know, we, we, we don't say that or treat any other gift that way other than the sign gifts. In other words, uh, how many of you have ever heard a bad sermon before? It's okay. I, I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm confident enough for you to raise your hand right now. And I'm not even just saying from me. Like, in your lifetime, have you ever heard a sermon before where you were like, oh, boy, they probably should just never do that again. <laughs> like, like, go, like, 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 clean something. <laughs> Did you hear that bad sermon and say, whoa, Oh, I don't want anything to do with sermons anymore. That was, that, that was terrible. Actually, I don't want anything to do with people who preach sermons. So I'm going to divide myself from people who preach and from sermons altogether. I don't want anything to do with it. Because what I've seen in these few occasions here was weird and wrong. No, that's not what we do. I have a group that I'm starting here at Generation Church called Up and Coming Preachers, and I want to gather some of these, these people who want to be in the ministry, and I'm going to begin to teach them how to communicate the gospel, and I'm going to give them a chance to do it, and we're going to have times where we gather, and I'm going to say, now you preach to us, and then we're going to critique them. Now, if, if, if one of them preach and it's bad, do you know what I'm not going to do? That was terrible. Like, what were you even thinking right there? No, I'm going to coach them, and I'm going to say, you know what? Um, I think if you would have stayed a little truer to the text on this part, and if you would have brought an illustration here to tie in that point, it would have really helped you out. Now, let's keep trying. Let's, I would coach them to sharpen the gift that they think is inside of them. We give the freedom for that when it comes to preaching and other gifts. But any kind of tongues or any kind of prophetic thing, it's just like, uh-uh. Don't want nothing to do with that. What, do we, what, what, what can we say about that? Um, well, here's one thing as it relates to the prophetic. And I'm just, just being very vulnerable and real with you. Um, I have struggled some because as a Baptist boy, I've also, uh, God has brought people into my life that were very weird. <laughs> some of my close friends, if you were in the prayer room with them like I've been, you would be a little freaked out. Praying very loud, don't care who's in the room, and just, you, it's just on. You know, some of y'all like, now I lay me. No, you go in the prayer room with some of these guys that I'm, I'm hanging with, and it's just like, oh, wow. Like, did heaven just fall into this room? I have, God has brought people into my life who have challenged me. Did you know that's okay for you? That's okay for you to be challenged? I, I hope that I challenge you sometimes. Because if you stay stuck in your denominational box, you will never walk in the fullness that God has for you. Did you know that there might be more that God has for you than what you're experiencing right now? Did you know that? But most of us are sitting on our blessed assurance waiting for the day that the trumpet sounds and God zap us up into heaven so that we can play our harps and ride the clouds. I'm talking to somebody today. 
I just believe that Jesus suffered and he died. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 30 that because that God was not willing to spare his son but gave him up for us all, therefore we have now all things that we're going to need, all things available to us. He died so that the Holy Spirit could take up residence in us and empower you to live free and then use that same power to bring freedom to other people. And so I have uh, had my share of prophetic words given to me. Some of them made me say, God bless you, and I walk away thinking, wow, (laughs) wow. But I didn't throw it out. Every time, see, see, he says, he says, don't, uh, he says, don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test everything. He doesn't say doubt everything. He doesn't say doubt everything. He says test everything. Let me just say this. I've had so many prophetic words given to me that I just knew. Usually when I, when I know it's the Lord, immediately I'll feel the presence of the Lord. I'll give you one uh, just that has impacted my life um, very, very strongly. Many I could give you, many prophetic words that, have give, that were given to me. But one specifically, about two, two years ago, a little over two years ago, I had someone come up to me and say, I had a dream about you. And uh, in the dream, uh, the Lord told me to tell you that within a week, you're gonna have an encounter with the Lord that's really gonna shift your ministry. And some, 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 he's gonna really speak some key things to you. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I mean, what else do you do to that? Like, woo, cool, right? Well, then a, a week goes by, I see him that Sunday morning. He's like, hey, anything happen? I'm like, no. But that afternoon, I was taking my friend Chris to Orlando. And, um, and so we, we go to Orlando, and I happened to find myself sitting in the home of a 78-year-old uh, woman who was a missionary for 35 years, and just, I'm talking about this lady would just go to the nations with a bag and, 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 and just, just, say, just get off the plane and say, where are we going, Lord? I'm talking about crazy stories that this woman had. So we're just sitting around, just talking, and, and, uh, and I'm thinking, man, all right, we got to go back. I mean, it's a two-hour, hour and a half drive back home. I'm in Orlando, and uh, this is real fun. But all of a sudden, we're talking in her kitchen table, and she just looks at me, and she says, whoa. And I'm like, what? What you mean, whoa? What are you looking at me like that for? And she leans into me and she says, whoa, the Lord has something he wants to say to you. I'm like, "Uh, okay. And she says, oh, and I got to go get my anointing oil for this one. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to take a bath and everything. But all of a sudden, she went and got this this oil. She came back, and all of a sudden, when she sat down at the table and looked at me, the presence of the Lord began to fall. And I was like, oh, what is going on right now? And she began to prophesy into my life. And she began to say, very soon, your life and your ministry is going to begin to shift. And God is going to increase your influence and increase your footprint and begin to prophesy into my life. And when that oil in her hand touched my head, I kid you, listen, I am not... I did not, I was not raised Pentecostal. So if you come along and pray for me and I don't feel nothing, I'm not going to give you like a courtesy. Like, whoa, that was. <laughs> it's just not me. We're all wired differently. I was not raised. I was very skeptical at first, actually, when I was around people who would pray for people and be like, whoa, I feel the Holy Spirit. I'm just like, whatever, dude. You're just, <laughs> until it happened to me. 
And so I'm here to tell you that I'm not going to fake it till I make it. This woman put her hand on me, and the presence of the Lord came on me so strong. I kid you not. It, it Greater than any time down at the altar that I've had that I could not move my body for two hours. For two hours, I sat there and cried under the presence of the Lord in this woman's kitchen. And to the point where my friend Chris said, buddy, we got to go back home. Like, let's go. I said, you got to drive. I can't even move right now. And he, li- I, I'm, I'm just, this is being real, picked me up and walked me to the car as I wept for two hours on the way back here after what God did. Now, let me tell you this. Three days later, three to four days later, my dad walks into the office and says, Stephen, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me. I think it's time for you to take the reins here and lead us into this next season. I had no clue. I, I, listen, two years ago, I didn't know it, that, that I could have been here for another 10 years, my dad pastoring this church. I've just always given God my yes. I'm not chasing a microphone. I'm like, Lord, I want to be obedient to you. But I'm telling you, man, that prophetic word was right on time. And it was God confirming the call that he had placed upon me for this season and what I know that I'm called to do. So you can come to me and send me emails and you can come and try to discourage me or say, I'm leaving Generation Church. But I'm telling you, I'm moving forward because you, because you didn't call me. You didn't call me to this. He did. And he's going to sustain that which he calls. And so, man, prophetic words, let's understand. Though they can be outside of the realm of what we're used to, let's not throw them out altogether. Are you with me? I had just, just man, what about tongues? I mean, you want to you make some, you, <laughs> you want to make people just really uncomfortable right now? Let me just start preaching about speaking in tongues. All my traditional people already are sweating. I see it. I see the drippings like, he's, he's not really going to do that, is he? I had to deal with that. And I think it's a good thing to deal with scripture in a healthy way. Just because you flip the channel and see people barking and doing crazy stuff, that doesn't mean that that we throw it all out. That means that we look into the Word of God and say, God, what do you say about it? And where's the balance? And we say, God, if it's of you, this was my prayer. I'm telling you, with some of this stuff, I had a hard time. But my prayer continually was, God, if it's you, I want it. I want all of you that I can humanly handle without exploding. I'm like, I don't know how much of you that I can actually handle, but I want every percentage that I can handle. And sometimes that forced me to get out of my comfort zone and what I thought things should look like. See, the Holy Spirit's not always polished and working inside your box. Mm, mm. I had somebody not long ago say, you know, because I've preached on that before. I did a whole sermon on speaking in tongues. I plan on doing it in the fall, too. I had somebody come up to me and say, you know, there was a moment in my prayer time where all of a sudden I felt the presence of the Lord come on me, and there was this bubbling come, like, in my stomach. And this, is a, this, is, this guy grew up Southern Baptist, has no grid for any of this stuff. And he said, all of a sudden, this bubbling came out of my mouth, and, and I, was, I was speaking in a language. I didn't know what I was saying, but the, 
Spirit of the Lord came down me so strong. I, I knew it was God, but it was very weird. It freaked me out a little bit. So he said, I went and I told my pastor, and my pastor told me, don't you ever open yourself up to demons again. And so he said the next time there was another moment in his prayer closet when the, when the Spirit of God came on him and that bubbling came up again, and he said, I immediately pushed it down because I didn't want to catch a demon. And I said, look how far we've come that something that is in the Bible, something that stirs our affection to Jesus, just because we've not experienced it, not only do we say it's wrong, but now we're crossing the line into saying that it's demonic. I, I just want us, to, like, let's toss the denominational thing out the window. And let's just look at the Bible. And say, you know, maybe I was raised a certain way. My dad, a Southern Baptist preacher, for 35 years has told me and confessed to us in leadership. He says, I am enjoying this season of my ministry more than I ever did in all the years before. Because I have opened myself up to the working and the moving and the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't doubt your gift. Here's the second one. We, we need to discover. We need to be pursuing our gift. We need to discover it. So gifts are to be pursued. 1 Corinthians 14.1. Just put it up behind me if you don't want to turn there. It says this. Paul says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12.31, he says again, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Earnestly desire. Earnestly pursue. So, how are gifts discovered? By action, by action. I could take you to Romans, I'm sorry, I could take you to Acts, I think it's chapter six, where we're introduced to Philip, and Philip actually uh, begins to serve widows and orphans, and we see Philip as this guy who's just, he's serving, he's just on the A-team, he's doing whatever needs to be done, and as a matter of fact, they say, there's a part in Acts 6 where, where they're like, hey, we don't really have time to do all of the other busy work, we really need to focus on studying the Word of God. Hey, let's pick some people who can go and who can minister to the widows and orphans. Hey, Philip, go ahead, and Philip goes, he's just saying, you can have my yes, he's obedient, so he gets in the game. And time goes on and time goes on to the point where in Acts 8, or I'm going to mess the chapters up, but, but not long after that, we see him with the, 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 the eunuch. And all of a sudden, we see this evangelistic anointing come over Philip. And, and so now things are beginning to shift all the way till you get to the end of the book of Acts where when people even call his name, they say, oh yeah, and Philip the evangelist. He didn't start out as Philip the evangelist. He started out as Philip taking care of widows, doing the dirty work, mowing the lawn, sweeping the floors, because when you walk through this field, your feet gonna get dirty and there's gonna be you know, sand all on the floor. Did you know that after every time people walk in, there's a team of people that are sweeping the floor, getting in the game, serving. We have to discover our gifts. I got called into the ministry at the Weird Church, down at an altar. I, I, I say that to be funny. Really, I, I feel like it was, a, it was a powerful church that I just thought was weird. But really, there was some anointed men and women of God in this place. I was down at an altar just like this, and I was just about to go into swimmer school to be a rescue swimmer. And 
The Holy Spirit, I, I mean, listen, you just know when he's speaking to you, when he's impressing your heart. And he said, Stephen, I've called you into full-time ministry. And so I just said, okay. Now, you got to understand, 22, 23-year-old, you know, never preached a sermon in my life, could never let a worship song, couldn't even play the keyboard at the time, and just like, okay, I mean, I'll walk away from, from what I, had, I thought was going to be my life's career because I knew it was God. I didn't have it all figured out. I just gave him my yes. I said, I'll get in the game for you, God. I'll get in the game. Time went on, and I, I moved to, to Belize to be a missionary. My plan to go down there was to be there until, you know, maybe forever, until God sent me back. We didn't go and say, okay, we're going to spend, you know, this many days. And I was like, Lord, you can have me. So there came a time where he sent my family back here 10 years or so ago to be the youth pastor. I'd never done that before. Barely preached sermons before. Listen, my, I've shared this before, but my first couple sermons were terrible. I'm talking about shape, my, my paper. I was shaking so bad that it was audible for the people listening. I'm talking about like, <laughs> the Lord, and it was six minutes long, my first sermon ever. <laughs> and I walked off of that stage and said, Lord, don't you ever call me to preach another sermon in my life. God has a sense of humor. I just started serving. Got here. I said, you know what? Here, see, I never chased this. I, I just wanted to see people free. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm closing here, but just hang with me. I wanted to see people free. And so our youth group started small. And I knew I needed to prepare for them. So I just began to prepare the best way I knew how and put little sermons together and preaching and, and, and just pouring myself into them. And then it began to grow. And then all of a sudden, there came a time. And, and even in the middle of that, I still was like, there, I'm, I'll never be a, a senior pastor. This is not my thing. I would be cutting the grass. I would be helping clean. I'm just like, I have done it all. Listen, if, if it could be done in church ministry, I have done it. At one time, we were running a, a college group on Sunday night at our house. We were running the youth group. We were leading the worship team. I mean, we were, we were cleaning. We were, we were mowing the lawn. We, we were like doing, out, I was over outreach. I mean, if there was a ministry, man, I was on it. I just said, God, you can have my yes. But what happens is when you get in the game and when you just say, God, I'm not real sure what you want me to do, but I'm jumping in, all of a sudden the grace of God leads you into a lane of grace. And, and then all of a sudden you begin to do something that you just feel grace on it. And you're like, whoa. People start to tell you, you're pretty good at that. And you realize as you do it, you're not getting burned out by it. That's how you know it's your gift because you were designed to operate in it. It doesn't burn you out. It fills you up. Listen, I had somebody recently say, oh, I just don't think I can serve that much because, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, when I come to church, I need to get fed. And they're telling me that. Do you catch the irony there? Because when's the last time I came and just sat here to, to get fed? No, I've learned to be a contributor, not a consumer. I've learned that when I, when I plug into the body of Christ, it's to give something. God has given me something that I can give away. And as I do that, as I pour myself out, he pours himself in. So we have to discover our gift. Lastly, 
we need to develop that gift. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, uh, Paul's talking to Timothy and he says, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Fan it into flame. In other words, stir it up. In other words, uh, be determined to, to, to sharpen your gift. Listen, you have to develop what God deposited. But development takes diligence. People want the benefit of the gift without the burden of diligence. I, see, people get this wrong, even with what I do, and they say, well, you're just gifted. In other words, what you think sometimes is that like on you know, Wednesday or Thursday, I just go to my office and I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm ready for it. And this, and this amazing sermon floats out of the sky <laughs> and just lands right on my desk. And I say, well, thank you, Lord. I'm so thankful for that. See, you see the gift, you just don't see the diligence. You don't see the hours and the hours that I'm preparing and praying and studying and got books all over my desk because I believe that the, the, the gift that God's placed inside of me is worth sharpening. It's worth being diligent over. It's worth stewarding well. What's God given you? Are you sitting on the sidelines saying, I sure wish they'd put me in the game. Oh, I just, I, I'm not as good as that person. No, you just need to be diligent. You need to sharpen that gift. Listen, I'm just telling you, you put me on the camera team, I'm going to study. I don't know anything about cameras. I would. I'd be the best camera person Generation Church has ever seen. You put me in the parking lot, I'm, I'm going to be smiling bigger than any person on that. I'm talking about just weird smiling, just like, hey, good morning. I'm going to be the best parking lot person this place has ever seen put me in the youth group man I'm gonna pour my life into those kids the point is whatever it is God's called us to do we got to be diligent diligent to sharpen that gift when you develop your gift you'll be ready when opportunity knocks I want you to think about this and then I'm done Saul called for David to come play in the palace. David also went and stood in front of Goliath. Was it just a free gift that allowed him to play so skillfully to Saul and allowed him to swing that slingshot and kill Goliath? Was it just, wow, man, what a gift he has. Well, we see the gift in public, but what you don't see are the hours and hours that David is playing and practicing and preparing and swinging that slingshot around and killing bears and killing lions and sharpening his gift and over and over and over and over and over and sermon after sermon and pouring into, after pouring into this person, pouring into that person. All of a sudden, when God moves me into the limelight, man, I'm ready to throw that thing. You with me? It's what's done in secret. It's what's done in secret. So, the Holy Spirit has given you a gift. Let's make sure we're not quenching it. Let's make sure we're discovering our gift. We're pursuing the gifts of the Spirit, and then we're developing that gift. And lastly, your 
gift is not to just be used in the four walls of the church. Oh, that we would understand. You think the only time I talk to people about Jesus is in front of you? It's who we are, and it should come out wherever we go. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for every person in this room. Thank you, Lord, that you're moving in us, calling us to get out of our comfort zone, to pursue the things of the Spirit. And God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice right now, people that have been challenged today to step out and get in the game and allow the things of the Holy Spirit to be activated in their life. God, would you confirm that in them in these next few moments? Only you can do that. We love you, and I pray for every person here in Jesus' name.